This is Diapers and Disciples, Episode 7. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today I'm chatting with Catherine Coolidge. Catherine is a wife, mother, and grandmother. She is also the called and gifted coordinator at the Catherine of Siena Institute in Colorado Springs, a Catholic ministry that is equipping parishes to form lay apostles. On this episode, Catherine and I chat about discerning our God-given gifts and using them in our own lives. If you're interested in the books, Catholic prayer resources, and taking the spiritual gifts inventory yourself, be sure to check out the show notes for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening in. Here's my chat with Catherine. Catherine, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you, Amber. Well, I am uh, just so excited to chat about um, our God-given gifts and how we can use them to glorify God. Um, but first, I would love to hear from you a little bit um, about your family. So you're going to, going to be celebrating an anniversary this week, correct? That's right. My husband and I will have been married 37 years on Thursday. Congratulations. Are you doing anything special to celebrate? I'm actually taking him with me to my next gig. I have a called and gifted workshop in Wichita, Kansas. Wonderful. Oh, that'll be a fun trip. Yeah, it'll be fun. (laughs) Great. It'll be fun. (laughs) And um, you have four children and four grandchildren, correct? That's right. Great. We have we have three boys and one girl, and presently we have four grandchildren. My daughter has three young boys and a daughter, and we just found out that one of our sons is expecting his first child at the end of November. Oh, that is so exciting. Yes. Oh, I love that. Um, the first time you find out um, you're expecting and um, I wonder, is it is it new every time for you? Every time you become a grandparent again, does it how does that feel? It is. It's new. It's fun. And it's also exciting. My my children live all over. Three are in the, in the United States, but they're in different parts. Okay. And we have a son in Japan and we did a group Skype. Oh, about a week and a half ago. And my son and his wife who are expecting all they did was put up the pictures from the sonogram up on the screen. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And it was so much fun to watch the siblings and their respective spouses because everyone's married Uh just to see everybody's reaction to it. They were just really thrilled. Oh, that's so fun. And to find out all the siblings at the same time. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So um, my family and I, we're currently in a time of transition. We just moved um, to Ohio um, from Uh Minnesota, and we actually uh, just moved in with my parents while we're house hunting. And so it's been just so fun to see my parents with my kids and just seeing, you know, the kiddos with their grandparents. Um, I'm curious not to put you on the spot here, but do you think there are uh, different joys in being a parent um, and being a grandparent? Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the greatest joys, in fact, we just had our daughter and her husband and the four kids here for a week at our house. Uh And it is so much fun to be able to watch them grow up and to watch my daughter become a parent. That has just been just a joy for me because it's, it's just a different role for her and the addition of the grandchildren, it's, it's 
just to watch them. You watch those firsts all over again, mm. and it's just, it's wonderful. And I think sometimes as a grandparent, you're not so concerned about the day-to-day details of life, so you can just relish the moment. Oh. And I and I, I think sometimes, and I know some people have said, you know, it if I had the wisdom I have now with my grandchildren, when I had my children, I would have been a different parent. That's interesting. Yeah, I can, I can imagine because I do, um, just in my life with my little ones, I get caught up so much in the day to day and it's hard for me to remember sometimes the big picture. So thinking about like my daughter being older and having her own children, it's just wild for me (laughs) to imagine that right now. (laughs) Um, well, switching gears a bit, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the Catherine of Siena Institute and how you first became involved in that? Sure. The Catherine of Siena Institute is actually next month celebrating it, celebrating its 20th anniversary. It's been around for 20 oh, years. And the mission of the Catherine of Siena Institute is to help equip lay Catholics to become apostles and that we we come alongside parishes and help parishes implement programs and strategies that can help lay Catholics live out their call, what Pope Francis calls being a missionary disciple. And it's just embracing the mission to take the gospel into the world that Jesus calls us to by baptism. Hmm. I I love that because I think so often uh, we can, you know, uh, get into a routine of maybe just going to church on Sundays and coming home and um, really not really exploring how that affects the rest of our week or the rest of our um, our days um, and our life at home. And so um, I think that's beautiful that you're going into parishes, working alongside them to help um, those members of the church to really discover what their gifts are um, that can be used inside the church, but also, you know, outside as well. I love that. Um, so what is what is your role now? My role now is I'm the called and gifted coordinator. So I oversee the programming for the called and gifted workshops, primarily in the United States, Canada, and Europe. We have teams that are operating in different places. We have a national traveling team. And so I work with them, help them continue to improve in their skills, provide them with any necessary program support they they need, as well as working with parishes and dioceses who have questions about called and gifted and how they can best implement it. I actually encountered the program. It was either in late 1999 or 2000. I had just recently taken a position in youth ministry. I took the workshop for myself, and it was a game changer. It opened my eyes to the reality that the gifts that I was using had application not just within the parish community but out in the world Mm. and it also brought to mind for me as a parish leader that I had a responsibility to help the adults under my care who were who I was working with under my leadership to foster and cultivate their own gifts not just for the work within the parish but for their role as parents, as uh, people in the workplace, as people in the community, so that they could use their gifts in order to make Christ known in the world. Hmm. 
Yeah, I love that. So what exactly, just going back a little bit, what exactly is the spiritual gifts inventory and how does it differ from something like um, like maybe a personality inventory or something like that? Sure. The spiritual gifts inventory is designed to, excuse me, to arouse places of possible giftedness in your life. Mm. It's asking you to look at what's happened in the past in your life, particularly things that you do that you feel bring you closer to God or that you have a sense of God using you as a channel of his love and provision in the world. Many personality and other talent surveys focus on your natural talents, those things that are habitual or routinized or that you've learned skills perhaps through school or just through life experience. But the spiritual gifts inventory is really trying to zero in on those things that God has given you to be his agent in the world. Hmm. Yeah, it's 120 statements and you rate them. Okay. And then at the end, you have scores that relate to 24 charisms. Charisms being gifts of grace that are given by God. We don't earn them. Hmm. And they're given to us expressly for the benefit of others. These 24 gifts, you can find evidence of them in different places in the New Testament. You find lists in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. Okay. And so is that um, the exhaustive list, what you can find in, in Scripture there? Or I think you said there are 24 gifts total in this inventory. There's 24 common gifts that we focus on in the spiritual gifts inventory. Okay. But God in his, his magnanimity can give gifts that perhaps we haven't categorized yet. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. So we just focus on the ones that we most commonly find. Okay. Um. So just to kind of give our listeners a, a feel for what these gifts are, um, can you just tell us about maybe some of the most common gifts? Sure. Um, some of the most common gifts that we find is a charism that we call service. Service is a charism that allows one to be a channel of God's love and provision by identifying the gaps or unmet needs in a group or organization and then doing whatever is necessary personally to fill those gaps. Sometimes we call the person with the charisma service God's Swiss Army Knight. Huh. <laughs> so it's, it's the utility player. Sure. And it's probably the most common charism that we find. And it makes a lot of sense because to get good things accomplished, it takes a lot of people who are willing to fill those holes and step up. Okay. Another gift is a charism of administration. A person with the charism of administration, they walk into chaos or disorder and they cannot not help themselves. They feel compelled hmm. to bring order to chaos so that good things can be done. That's a helpful gift. <laughs> I mean, they're all helpful, helpful in their own way, but... <laughs> Right. That's right. Great. Yeah. So so those are a couple of the more common ones. Okay. Um, and would you mind sharing what some of your gifts are and uh, maybe how you've uh, been able to use your gifts in the workplace and at home, in your community? Sure. Um, I'll tell a little bit about 
what I've discovered about my gifts, we know that we're given our charisms at the time of baptism, but we also recognize that the charism emerges when we're open to be using by, used by God and the need presents itself. Mm-hmm. And four of my charisms are teaching, pastoring, encouragement, and it looks like possibly wisdom. Okay. And when I was a mom of four young children, my kids are all two years apart, uh, pastoring, being able to foster the relationships within a group. That's what pastoring's about. It's not the role of pastor that we know in a church. But this is someone who shepherds a small group, like three or four kids. And so when my children were younger, I found that that was often my role. Mm-hmm. As they grew into being teens, that charism of encouragement emerged more and more with my children because that was the time when they needed a sounding board. They needed mom just to sit and listen. But what I find now that my children are young adults, oftentimes it seems to be the charism of wisdom, being able to respond with a practical solution to a particular problem. I now find my my young adult children come to me and say, they'll describe a situation and they'll say, well, what do you think about it, mom? And they're looking for more advice than they were maybe when they were younger. Wow. That's so interesting to me that it's um, really the need needs to be there in order for that gift to manifest itself. Um, You mentioned, you know, the pastoring when they were younger and um, the mm-hmm. wisdom now um, that they're a little older. Um, so I'm I'm thinking for moms who are uh, wanting to discern their gifts, um, is it difficult to distinguish um, what might be a God given gift and what might just be like a necessary necessary quality of being a parent? Right. And we talk about that a lot. In fact, one of the gifts that I I often talk about is the charism of mercy. And I always say when I'm teaching that in a, in a called and gifted workshop, I say, now, if you discern you don't have this gift, you're not off the hook. <laughs> By virtue of being a Christian, we're all called to be merciful. Right. <laughs> so you're great. So you're absolutely right. There's times when we're called to... by virtue of our role, exercise spiritual disciplines, such as being merciful. But when we're operating out of a charism, what we notice is we're extraordinarily effective. Mm. We feel like we're in our groove. It doesn't take as much effort as when we're not in that place. We often feel like God's present, God's very, very present, very close to us, working with us and through us. And the effects of our work are more than what we would normally expect. And then the last piece is people notice that something's different and they often call for that gift from us. Okay. Oh, interesting. That's, that is very helpful. Um, so I had a question, but maybe I've just answered it myself. Let's see. So if someone um, maybe who has recently transitioned from a life of uh, full-time ministry and nonprofit work into a life of uh, being home full-time with their kids, um, uh-huh. I was thinking about how they would use, how does one go about figuring out how to use their gifts in 
in like a new capacity, but maybe is what you're saying that um, maybe new gifts would actually emerge in the new setting? It could be, or it could be that they're being used in a different fashion. Okay. It, in large part, it's going to depend upon the situation, depend upon the person. I have had a number of people who have taken the called and gifted workshop, say, 10 or 15 years ago, come back and say, you know, I, I'm, gonna, I'm here to do it again. They've gone from, in, in one case, it was a woman who she was trying to discern her role in transitioning 15 years ago from full-time work to pastoral ministry and now she was in a place where she was discerning leaving pastoral ministry and moving into that season of retirement. So I think that that applies to any time we go through a season of change in life and a lot of it is reflecting upon where are we now, what are the needs present, and where do we feel God's nudging us, you know that little Holy Spirit nudge of nudging us to respond to a need in our world. Okay. Great. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at the gifts, uh, the list of the gifts uh, now. My husband, before we got married, had actually uh, ordered the workshop. And so uh, ah. we've each been able to do it um, at home, which has been great, the inventory. Um, uh-huh. And so I'm seeing um, the gifts uh, like hospitality and teaching and uh, pastoring, like you had mentioned. Um, I could see um, like right away how those could be so beneficial in um, in home life. Um, but I'm wondering for someone who maybe has a gift, uh, like missionary or writing oh. or administration, maybe it's a little less clear how they'd use that, um, in their home. Do you have any, um, maybe just advice or maybe stories of, of that or, um, yeah, or encouragement? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Um, administration in very easily, be called for in a in a situation such as for instance if you find yourself managing a relocation like you've just done from Minnesota to Ohio oh sure Mm -hmm. there's a lot of administration involved um unfortunately that wasn't one of my gifts (laughs) (laughs) my husband took right over (laughs) (laughs) but it but I think we have to think creatively sometimes perhaps If um, a parent finds themselves homeschooling their children, that may be a gift that would come forth in that setting. Sure. Uh, It could be used perhaps in the wider community. Uh, Perhaps there's a fundraiser that comes around once a year, and that's a place that a parent with that gift could plug in. Hmm. Now, the charism of missionary is a fascinating charism. Because that one allows one to be a channel of God's love and provision in a culture that's not one's own. And so it it doesn't have to be going to a foreign mission field. So it could be that might be a charism that allows one to be especially fruitful, say, working with refugee resettlement as a volunteer once or twice a month. Uh or teaching English as a second language, our charisms work together. They don't appear just one at a time. So imagine someone with a charism of teaching and missionary who might be able to work with teaching English as a second language to moms who don't speak English. Right. Okay. That's very helpful. Um, That's great. Uh, So so for 
people who are listening now who um, are interested in, interested in uh, going about discerning their gifts, um, what would you say, what are the next steps uh, for what they need to do for that? Well, they can contact the Institute. We do, as you know, we sell an individual study kit so that if, if they don't have a workshop nearby, they could purchase that and, and they could work through the workshop on their own. Or they can check our calendar and see if there's one available locally for them. Okay, wonderful. And I'll go ahead and uh, link to that in the show notes so people uh, can have easy access to um, finding that website. Great, um, thank you. And more you. information. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once, so say someone does go about uh, discerning their gifts, maybe they take the inventory. Um, is there something, uh, maybe some scripture that you can recommend or someone that wants to take their gifts to prayer and really uh, ask God where he might be leading them mm-hmm. to use those gifts? Um, is there something you would recommend for, for that? You know, I have a number of favorite scripture passages when it comes to gifts discernment. One of them is meditating on Psalm 139. Okay, great. Psalm 139, where the psalmist talks about, you knew me before I was knit, before you knit me in my mother's womb. Spending some time recognizing that each one of us has been uniquely created by God. I think especially for moms, it's incredibly important to recognize that every mom will parent in her own unique God-given way. Mm. And sometimes we tend to use a measuring stick of whoever we think is in our group is super mom. Mm. And we often fall short. Right. And I think if we spend some time reflecting upon that, and then as you work through the process of discerning your gifts, you know, gratefully receiving those gifts from the Lord and reflect and then reflecting upon how we're called to use them. Another favorite place that I like to go to is actually two chapters from First Corinthians. First Corinthians okay. twelve is a way of right reminding ourselves that each one of us is uniquely gifted and that the body of requires of Christ require relies upon many parts. And each part is different. The eye can't do what the hand can do, Hmm. for instance, as scripture says. But then the next chapter, I think, is so important. The chapter where St. Paul then says, of all the gifts, the gift of love is the highest gift. Hmm. And just to reflect upon how we are called to share our gifts in love. That's that's beautiful. As you were talking, um, I just can imagine how beneficial the inventory would be even for like a mom's group at a parish, um, maybe taking that together and recognizing, you know, one another's gifts, um, that someone might have a different gift than me. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, comparing myself to, to other moms. Um, that's really, really beautiful. Um, can I ask you, Catherine, a little bit about uh, your prayer life and, and what that looks like uh, for you now? Um, and maybe uh, some encouragement for um, young moms who um, are struggling a little bit with um, figuring out a regular prayer life oh, just gosh. with the chaos of having little ones. <laughs> um, maybe you can just speak into that a little bit about what your prayer is like now and maybe what it was like then and just some encouragement. Well, 
I will be perfectly honest with you, my prayer life when I was spending more time in the van than I was at home, it seemed like, when they were, the kids were involved sure. in all kinds of activities. I relied upon, for me, it was, I had a rosary on this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to date myself. It was on CD. At least it wasn't on cassette tape. <laughs> <laughs> but I would play it in the van Oftentimes when the kids were at practice and there was no need for me to be there, but I was just, I was in between things. I couldn't, I didn't have enough time to go home and I would use that time for prayer. I would sneak into the church for some quiet time. Perhaps if I had again, another lag time and the church was right nearby. Now that I'm an empty nester, I still, what I like to do is get up uh, before the sun comes up and watch the sun come up now that I don't have to get up before the sun comes (laughs) up. (laughs) Yes. I could imagine that'd be a little bit more of an enjoyable experience when you're choosing it. Right. (laughs) That's beautiful. Yeah. And so it starts with that. And then I've, I've cultivated over the, over the years as I've gotten older, praying the liturgy of the hours. So I pray morning prayer Mm -hmm. And then I pray over the gospel for the day. And then it's, I, I just offer my day to God and just say, where is it you want to lead me? May I be open to your most holy will and allow you to work through me for the good of your people. Hmm. That's beautiful. Thanks so much for sharing that. Oh, my pleasure. Um, so if our listeners are wanting to connect um, maybe with you and finding out more information about um, the Catherine of Siena Institute, uh, what's the best way to do that? Just going to the website? If they go to the website, my email address is on the website. They're more than welcome to email me and we can set up a time to chat. Okay, wonderful. And um, I just have a few questions I like to ask all my guests. So uh, can you tell me what your favorite part of your home is and why? The favorite part of my home is actually my garden. Oh, okay. It's the place where I have an opportunity to co-create with God. And especially right now, Mm. we had our last snow here in Colorado Springs about mid-May. And things were... Oh, my goodness. I know. I know. (laughs) It was crazy. And I looked around and I said, ugh. You know, it's going to be one of those years, nothing's going to grow. And then every day I walk out now, and with the longer sunny days and the warmer weather, it just seems like things are just growing like crazy. And you can just see God's goodness all around. So that's just something that gives me great pleasure. It's one of my favorite places. And as my husband and I say, we have two and a half acres of heaven in the city of Colorado Springs. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Uh, do you get out on your property much with the with the two and a half acres? I do as much as I can. Um, oh. I've I've got a little bit of traveling ahead of me this month, but I'm usually out an hour or two a day if, when I'm home. I love that. And at at this recording, we're in um, June here, so I mean the weather is just beautiful and sunny, and I can imagine the garden is just the place to be right now. Absolutely, so that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, great. And then, um, is there anything that you can tell me that you're loving recently? So maybe something you're recommending to everyone or reading or watching something you're enjoying recently. Ah, 
You know, one of the things that I'm enjoying recently is just really watching the interactions of my children as we're receiving this news of the new baby coming along in the oh, family. Yeah. That, that family time has been extraordinarily important. And I think the other thing that I was reading most recently that really caught my attention was I went back and I was reading Francis de Sales' Introduction to the Devout Life. Beautiful. It caught my mm -hmm. attention because it was one of the first works that was written specifically to address the spiritual life of lay people. And I, it's always amazing to me how it is relevant to us today. That is uh, one of my husband's favorite yeah. books, and he recommends it to me often. <laughs> so I definitely need to <laughs> need to put that on my summer reading list. So thanks for that recommendation. You're welcome. Um, and then uh, do you have any um, mom hacks or something that you can share with someone uh, to moms maybe that's making your life um, a little simpler when it's chaotic or a little easier in some ways. You know, one of the things that I, I was reminded of when my daughter was here, her children, the eldest is seven and a half, the youngest is two. Okay. And something I was not as good at when I was younger, when I was a young mom and only had a couple underfoot. But as I got older, I had a good friend who said, get the children involved in the household business, as she put it. Mm. And I watched as we we did what we had done with our four. One set the table, one cleared the table, one loaded the dishwasher, and one unloaded the dishwasher. Now, they're young, so you need some supervision, especially with the breakable stuff. <laughs> but, it, <Sure. laughs> but it reminded me of how much joy they got out of helping and how much if my daughter was saying that, you know, she's had a little bit of sibling rivalry lately. And she said, you know, she says, you're right. When we get them together and they're working together as a team, it seems to reduce that sibling rivalry. So. Mm. Oh, that's great. That's a great yeah. tip. Um, I remember my, my oldest is three now, but when she was... Um, maybe one and a half. And, um, my parents were in town visiting us at the time and my mom was, uh, helping with the laundry and she had, uh, Lucy, my daughter, uh, with her and, uh, she, my daughter was matching all the socks yeah. and I couldn't believe it. I never thought to have her match the socks, but that's something that she can do, you know, at her age. And, um, now just seeing her as she gets older, it's amazing mm -hmm. that, the kind of things that she picks up just from watching me that I can now include her in and have her help out. Um, that's a great tip. I love that. Um, well, thank you so much for being on today, Catherine. I really appreciate you um, taking the time out of your schedule uh, to be with me and the listeners. Well, thank you so much. And I'm just very blessed to be able to share a little bit about the Catherine of Siena Institute and gifts discernment with you all. Yes, I think it's going to be so helpful. Um, the conversation has been um, so fruitful for me, and I know I've taken so much out of it, and um, I can imagine our listeners will do the same. So uh, let me go ahead and just uh, close us in, in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your great generosity in the gifts that you've given each of us. 
Um, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace to see our gifts and uh, see the gifts of others around us and encourage them um, in their gifts. I pray, Lord, um, that you would give us the courage to use our own gifts um, to glorify you, Lord, and uh, to serve those around us in our daily lives. God, I thank you for this time with Catherine, and um, I thank you for our listeners today, and um, I ask that you show your great love to them. Um, Lord, we pray this all in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for listening in. Can I ask you all a favor? If you have been enjoying the show, would you mind leaving a review on iTunes? A great way you can support me and also help other moms find the show is by leaving a rating, a review, and subscribing. I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Catherine as much as I did. It was really helpful for me to hear Catherine say that a good indication of a spiritual gift might be someone recognizing it in me. And so I want to encourage you this week to tell a friend about a gift that you recognize in them. As we mentioned in this episode, it's easy to fall into a comparison trap with other moms in particular. And what a benefit to us it would be, and to our fellow mamas, to recognize our unique individual charisms and to really build one another up in identifying those gifts. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.